And welcome back to Couch Potato Radio. Derek Hansen with you on the mighty 790 and 104.7 KFGO. David Moulton is with us. Again, longtime uh, sportscaster and part of, uh, well, what the fan was then, uh, 1280 The Ticket, but now it's 740 The Fan and hosts uh, co-host Miller and Moulton. You can find him on many different uh, social media sites there. Spotter, researcher for Troy Aikman and Gary Danielson and many other things. And as a matter of fact, you were just helping out with uh, Joe Buck and golf not too long ago, right, David? How you been? Yeah, I just got a check from Peyton Manning in Omaha production. So nice. That was nice. You know, <laughs> add them to the list. Yes. To you, more of your 1099s coming in, rolling in. So that that <laughs> right. fun. Well, you know, since we're start with golf and, you know, the U.S. Open was exciting yesterday and, you know, so many crazy things going on in the world of golf where you live in southwest Florida down in Fort Myers, the home base of Miller and Moulton. I'm sure a lot of people are talking about the golf and the controversy with the LIV. And what's your take on all that? Well, there's no doubt golf, the top three golf markets in the country are all in the state of Florida. So, yes, golf is a very big deal. And surprisingly, Derek, especially what is my backyard, southwest Florida, which is very conservative politically. So you would think they would be very anti the whole Saudi Arabia concept. But at the same time, when you're conservative, you're usually pro-business. Yep. And there is the part to this story in which people may not be comfortable with where the money is coming from, but they do think, well, they are independent contractors. Don't they have the right to work where and when they want? So there's many different layers to this onion. It's not just a big onion that you slice in half and that's it. At least that's what we have found on the radio. And much to my surprise, Derek, I would say that the concept of these players playing in the LIV series is closer to 40%. Yeah. And I think the media is giving you the impression that the popularity of them leaving the PGA Tour is around 8%. Because the media that covers golf is completely in bed with the PGA Tour. Yep. And so, you know, this is like, you know, getting MSNBC to, you know, say something bad about the Democrats or vice versa. I, I mean, you're not going to get anyone with mainstream golf media to say that, hey, there's some merit to what these golfers are doing even if they're against where the money is coming from, that you won't even get them to admit that, hey, you know, when you think about it, this is a monopoly, and why shouldn't they have the rights to play golf elsewhere? Why do they have to ask for permission if they're not full-time employees? Yeah. Well, and here's my take on it, too, when you look at some of the big names that have gone over there, and there's a few others that are trying to you know, move up the ladder, and they, they took the money, like you mentioned, more than we know. But for some of the big names I see, they're not on the leaderboard in some of the big events throughout the year anyway, so they're just trying to take their guaranteed money. Am I right on that? I mean, that, that that's to me what I'm seeing oh. more than anything. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, there's, I think, one player ranked in the top 16 in the world right now that's taking the money, and that's Dustin Johnson. Mm -hmm. Now, you've got Bryson DeChambeau, and you've got a couple, Patrick Reed and a couple of others that are in the top 35. But in terms of, like, you know, 
somebody that we would use as a headliner to promote, you know, coming up next week, watch the Kemper Open with so-and-so. I mean, the LIB's got names, but not elite contending, winning PGA tournaments in 2022 guys. But DeChambeau was an interesting coup. DeChambeau, Derek, is one of about four guys that moves the needle a little bit. I mean, there's Tiger. Take him out of the equation, especially since, Derek, Tiger's never going to play on the PGA Tour again. Tiger's only going to play the majors. I I mean, they may show his face, and they may show video of Tiger Woods, but Tiger Woods is essentially no longer a member of the PGA Tour. That's a very good point. And so... So if you take Tiger out of the equation, Phil moves the needle a little. Bryson DeChambeau moves the needle a little. Rory moves the needle a little. And then we can debate whether or not Jordan Spieth or Justin Thomas do. Well, of the three guys that move the needle, two of them are now playing on the LIV series. So this, I think, could get a little more interesting, not this year, you know, there's the LIB events don't have any real meaning, and this is still in its infancy. But between now and next spring, Derek, think about how many golfers will probably be joining the LIB series, number one. Number two, don't be surprised if at least three of the four majors allow the LIB golfers to play in their tournament. Also, three, keep an eye on what's now called the DP World Tour, which is essentially the European Tour. It is a major decision to make. By the way, their corporate offices are basically located in Dubai. But they have a major decision to make. They have kind of sort of a relationship with the PGA Tour. So you would think, well, they're going to ban all these players from playing on the European Tour. Well, all the Euros that have left the PGA Tour want to go back to playing on the European Tour. And some Americans, the rumor is, are going to try to play some major events on the European Tour. Well, if you're running the European Tour, are you going to side with the PGA Tour in this battle that doesn't really help you? Or are you going to go, hey, I understand what you want, but these guys all want to help my tour, and I'm going to let them. Yeah, well, and I think that you look at it too. I, I, I for me, it, it's to me. I've looked at it as almost like a bridge to the championship tour for that. But if they do start getting some of the top dogs, and we shall see. I, I do find Rory McIlroy being as frontal as he is pretty funny. I mean, it's almost like a WWE type of thing that we got going on here. Absolutely, it is. But you know, Derek, I'm glad you brought that up because you're a longtime wrestling fan. Yep. Did you ever think five years ago? that there could be a wrestling association that would seriously challenge the WWE. Because I'm in my mid-50s. I remember when it was the WWF, but the South had the WCW. Yeah, yep. And they were like competing organizations. But eventually Vince McMahon won and merged and took over the country. Five years ago, I didn't think an AEW could make it. I didn't think they could get guys from the WWE to come on over. I didn't think they could get three nights of television 
and call their own and headline events and have some people go, I got to tell you, I like this product better than the other one. I didn't think that was possible. Did you? Uh, no, not in the day and age. I just thought that the WWE take over there. You know, the TNT tried a little bit. You know, there's been a few others, but it just it. Yeah, I, I thought that that ship had sailed. So yeah, it's to think that another WCW type of thing could come in. It, it is pretty shocking, and I, I think it is a decent analogy when you look at what's going on with golf and the LIV. Well, and also think about it. Who runs the AEW? Well, the Khan family. Mm-hmm. They own the Jaguars. He's a billionaire. You know, and clearly that's what we've seen historically in this country. The ABA, the World Football League, the USFL, the WHA, they all made some inroads to the product. But the reason they all failed was financially they were inferior to the pro leagues that were taken on. Well, that's not the case here. I mean, the LIV series could buy up the PGA Tour and, you know, and lose about 5% of its net worth. So that's the other thing that makes this interesting. They can bankroll this fight for as long as they want. So how long do they want to do it? The feeling is they would at least want to give it a try for three, four years. Well, that's a long time. Think about what's already changed in a few months. What could change in three years? That's a very good question. That is for sure. We shall see how it all plays out, and we'll talk more about this. Hang on. We'll get you right back for another segment here on Couch Potato Radio. Derek Hansen with you. We're talking with David Moulton, former KX4 Sports Director, also part of our family of radio stations here over on The Fan. was a different name. And uh, also Miller Moulton. You can check out Ian Mark Miller all over the Internet. It's very easy to find. I catch him on YouTube myself, and uh, we'll chat with him more about Baseball, football, yeah, football news still going on. Go figure, year-round. Couch Potato Radio, Derek Hansen with you on the Mighty 790, 104.7 KFGO. Welcome back, Couch Potato Radio, Derek Hansen with you. A pleasure to again have with us for segment two of David Moulton, former KX4 sports director on the TV side here in Fargo, was here with our family of radio stations back when it was 12 the ticket, now 740 the fan. Co-host of Miller Moulton with uh, Mark Miller down the Fort Myers area, part of the uh, Florida Sports Network, if you want to check that out. I catch him on YouTube as much as I can. But, yeah, it's uh, always fun to talk with him about everything in the world of sports. He's also the spotter researcher for Troy Aikman and Gary Danielson on national TV. David, I want to talk to you about, you know, in your neck of the woods there, the Stanley Cup. Uh, Wow. I mean, Colorado obviously jumping out to a huge uh, win with a 7-0 win. And, of course, you had game one was pretty dominant, too. But I've seen the Tampa Bay Lightning do this before, coming back from 0-2, just uh, as recently as the last series. Yeah, but we've never seen it after losing 7 nothing, and I don't even know if the game was that close. Yeah, I mean, we've only had five teams ever come back from 0-2 and win the Stanley Cup in the finals. That's number one. Number two, while we've had two of those five be somewhat recent, 9 Penguins, 2011 Bruins, if you look, Derek, those games were all competitive in that they lost. You know, even the overtime game, Derek, the Lightning were thoroughly outplayed in game one. I mean, that game was only close on the scoreboard and because the goalie was terrific the last two periods. So, I mean, Derek, they have so much ground to cover right now. I mean, win four out of five against this team, woof. You could argue it would be the greatest comeback in the history of the sport 
even though there have been teams that have come back from 3-0 down. I mean, Mark Messier said that the Avs' performance in Game 2 is the best game I've ever seen a team play in the Stanley Cup Finals. <laughs> wow. And he knows a few things about him, you know, so that's that's pretty good praise from... Well, right, because he was in Edmonton, uh-huh. and take a look at some of the scores of games that they won in the finals in the mid-'80s. Yeah, it's it's really amazing, that is for sure. Let's chat a little bit about, uh, you know, as far as um, the matchups, because you always, I remember you always bringing up how the styles kind of match up the fight, and it, this might be a style thing for the Lightning not to be able to match up with the, the quickness and the scoring of the Avalanche here. But... In theory, Derek, this wasn't supposed to happen. I mean, they had to go through Toronto, Florida, and the Rangers. First off, those were three of the seven best teams in the league, and all three of them could skate. Now, yeah, you could argue Colorado skates better, but this much better? I mean, you know, Tampa didn't look like an NHL team, Derek, in game two. Yeah. I mean, it was beyond embarrassing. It was... It was like a minor league team playing against an NHL team in an exhibition. I mean, remember when the Team USA lost to the Soviets 10-3? Right. Like a week before the Olympics started? I mean, that's kind of what I feel like tonight is for Game 3. I feel as if the Lightning just lost 10-3 to the Russians. Now, how in the world are they going to come back and win? I mean, that's how bad Saturday night was. Yeah, for sure. Let's uh, move on here. Baseball, uh, well, I mean, it's going to be a big series, obviously, against Cleveland starting tomorrow night here on KFGO. Six o'clock is the pregame show. Uh, game ahead of the Guardians. Cleveland's, you know, Twins are winning most of their series except this past weekend, but, uh, boy, Cleveland is red hot right now. Yeah, well, you know, what's the one thing that they've had during this whole run going back to the middle of last decade? They seemingly have always had pitching, so it's tough to discount them. Um, the thing that I keep seeing is forget Minnesota and Cleveland for a second. You know, it'd be nice if you're the Twins and the Guardians. Can you put the White Sox away? Right. Can you just kind of get them to the point where you don't think they can come back and win the division? They're only five back. You know, it just can you get them? You know, Houston's got a nine and a half game lead in the West. The Yankees have an eleven game lead. To me, there's like Minnesota and the Guardians. It's like, hey, can you guys team up and just get the White Sox out of the way? Because if it's just a two-team race, that's fine. But, Derek, I keep wondering if they're going to keep trading off here and both only remain about six or eight games above 500, are they going to let the White Sox back in? Well, and that's just it, right? It's much easier to hold off one team than two teams. And that that is, you know, because it, it can start to – all can start to chip away at each other before it's all said and done. Well, and think about the advantage that the Twins have over the Guardians. The Guardians are very unlikely to make a deal at the deadline to improve themselves because they won't spend any money. Well, the Twins will spend some resources. You know, they may not give away the top prospect that maybe their base wants, or maybe they won't take on the salaried player that their base wants, but they will make some moves, but not like the White Sox. You know, the White Sox are all in. They got an 80-something-year-old owner and a 70-something-year-old manager. I mean, the White Sox will give up whatever they have to give up to win the division. That's another reason. Get rid of them. Make it so that they're not close enough that they think they're in it. Remember, the Braves were about six and a half back at the deadline last year. And the Braves said, you know what? 
Mets and Phillies haven't put us away. Let's go make some deals. And they went out and got four players. There you have it. <laughs> and the rest is history, right? I mean, that's how it goes. That is for sure. Yeah. It's, you know, it is interesting. I think when you and I talked going into the spring, we didn't really see that the pitching would be one of the strengths of this Twins club, though. And when they got Joe Ryan healthy, which you know turns out to be a nice steal, you're going to get rid of Nelson Cruz anyway. You didn't need him in the last part of the season. Sonny Gray, when healthy, has worked out. It's a uh, you know, and that is a case where the Twins actually traded away a top prospect, which is not like something they normally do. Yes. Now, fortunately, if they want to make deals here, they've got a really good system to make deals from. I don't know if they want to give away some of it. But they have pieces that they can give away. I do think, though, if you're the Twins, and this is the bummer, there's a deal to win the division, and then there's a deal to do damage in October. I don't think any of us listening right now and the two of us talking think that the Twins will make a deal that could potentially alter their October playoff fate. They may make some minor deals to get to October, but I don't think any of us think they're willing to make the deal to try to be the team in October. Well, it's just tough because the Yankees are what they are, right? I mean, and Houston is what they are. I mean, it's, we're, all, we're all guessing that's going to be the ALCS, and that's tough to say in the middle of June. Well, I'll say this, though. The Astros have trouble scoring runs. Like, you could beat Houston in a short series. You know, Toronto... To me, Toronto's the second most dangerous team in the AL because I think, although the injury to Rue really hurts their starting pitching, but I think they'll go out and get a pitcher at the deadline. With that lineup and if they go get a starting pitcher, Toronto might be the second toughest out. But we all know, I mean, you know, one, the Twins right now don't match up with the Yankees, and two, they haven't matched up with them in 25 years. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, final thing, David Moulton with us, uh, former KX4 Sports Director with us here at our family of radio stations back in the uh, late 90s, now co-host of Miller & Moulton on the Florida Sports Network based out of uh, Fort Myers, Florida. This the Deshaun Watson thing. I mean, man, the Browns, they just can't get out of their own way because this is a mess. I, 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 and I don't know how they're going to come out of this, and I certainly don't know what Commissioner Goodell's going to do because he's, he's kind of set precedent for being pretty tough on situations like this. Well, I'm willing to bet you the next time we talk, he's been either put on the commissioner's list or suspended for the entire 2022 season. And that the NFL will just go to war with the Players Association. And it'll be very ugly because the Players Association are going to say, hey, Kraft got in a situation. He didn't get anything. You've let Snyder get away with stuff. You've let Ursay get away with stuff. What in the world's going on here? So that will get really messy. And it won't look good for the Players Association standing up for a guy that we all right now think is, at best, a creep. But I think Deshaun's not going to play all year, which to me then, why are they not going back to Baker Mayfield? Why do they keep saying, don't show up for minicamp, don't show up for practices, we don't want to have anything to do with you? If I were the Cleveland Browns, Either I'm bringing Baker back into the fold or I'm trading Baker to the Niners for Garoppolo because Jacoby Brissett is not going to take you to the playoffs, never mind do anything in them. But Baker Mayfield might because he's already done it. And Jimmy Garoppolo might because he's already done it twice. So if 
that you're Cleveland and your roster doesn't take a backseat to anyone in that division. And there's probably only two teams in that conference whose roster that we would acknowledge is probably better than Cleveland's, Buffalo and Kansas City. So if you're Cleveland, why are you not making a subsequent move? They're already paying for Baker, Derek. They right. can't, unless they trade him, the $18.9 million counts against their cap, whether he plays for them or he sits at home. Well, why don't you bring him in? I mean, you can if you're running the Cleveland Browns think Deshaun Watson's going to be your quarterback this year. Can you? I mean, no. you've got to think he's at least going to get suspended for half the year. Well, bring Baker back. Play him for eight games and then trade him at the deadline. You know, I mean, I don't understand what they're doing. They have to be planning for life without Deshaun Watson in 2022. Otherwise, they're a far worse run organization than even we think right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite a mess, that's for sure. And it's really, a, it's not a good look for the NFL at all because there's just no answers here. It just, it's so the whole thing is bizarre. Well, the fact that nothing got resolved last year, that the NFL was happy with Deshaun getting his ten million, not playing, and the Texans were happy with it, and Deshaun was happy with it. I mean, you know, somebody needed to be pounding the office in New York, going, "We need to deal with this now." Because if we don't deal with it now, we're going to have to deal with it next year. And that's only going to make it messier. You know, and then the whole contract. And, I mean, it's just, it's it's a really bad look and a bad situation. You can also argue it both ways. You could argue he should be suspended for a really long time. You also could say, hold on a second, two grand juries haven't even indicted him. What are we doing? Yeah. We're suspending players who haven't even been charged with a crime. But the NFL's done that before on multiple occasions. They suspended players for four to six games who weren't even charged before. Yeah, it's it's a so it's a bizarre time, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean it's just a, like yeah, it's a mess. Yeah. Is what it is. And Derek, you know, now that I'm with Joe and Troy on Monday night football, when the schedule came out, I took a look at it. Week eight is Cincinnati at Cleveland. Does anybody think the NFL wants Deshaun Watson's first home game to be on Monday Night Football against Mm -hmm. Joe Burrow and the Bengals? Anybody? Not really. Not till everything's resolved, that's that's for sure. Exactly. So at the very least, when people ask me, how long do you think he'll be suspended? I'm like, well, he's definitely not playing on Halloween. That's week eight. (laughs) And he ain't playing that night. All right, so it's a minimum eight. And I think if you're the Browns, you need to plan accordingly. Yeah, very true. David, you're always generous with your time. I do appreciate it. Again, Miller Molden can find you. I watch you on YouTube. There's other places you can get it too, right? Absolutely. FloridaSportsNetwork.com. And if you can't listen to the show live since it's 5 to 9 a.m. Central Time, Feel free to download podcasts. We have a pretty good guest list if we do say so ourselves. Very good. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. All right. Take care, everyone. David Moulton, again, he used to be part of our family of stations uh, over on, well, 740 The Fan now is uh, another name, about uh, 1997, 98 when he took over. And then also kicks for sports director here in Fargo, now in Fort Myers, the home base of Miller Moulton. On, uh, you can find him, like he said, on pretty much just Google search Miller Mullen. He's also the spotter researcher for uh, 
Troy Aikman on the national broadcast for NFL football, now moving to ESPN, and also with uh, our good friend Gary Danielson, who is the, uh, the color analyst for the SEC Game of the Week on CBS, so a very busy guy. All right, that wraps up Couch Potato Radio, KFGO Today on the Way. We'll keep you up to date on the weather and all that. We'll see you again, uh, well, coming up on Thursday. Uh, Travis Dunn actually is going to be in for me. Travis Dunn going to be hosting Couch Potato Radio Thursday. I'm sure he'll talk about the Stanley Cup and much more here on the mighty 790 and 104.7 KFGO. KFGO.